Welcome back to another episode of the Bank Shot Podcast. I'm Kale. I'm Andrew. And we have a special guest here today, our friend Blake. Hello. Yes, it's me, Blake. We talked about Blake last episode as the uh, Nikola Jokic superfan, and we decided to just go ahead and get him on the podcast. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll spread the Jokic agenda wherever I can, so... So um, it is Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. And um, naturally what comes along with Thanksgiving is Feast Week in college basketball, a sport that most people ignore until March, which everyone knows what March is. But um, we thought we'd go ahead and give our way too early uh, Power 7 Conference uh, champion predictions. So I'll go around the table here, uh, starting with the ACC. Andrew, what is your pick to win the ACC this year? My pick is the Duke Blue Devils. It's Coach K's last year, as we all know, so I think he goes out on a good note. Last year, they only went 13-3, but they recruited three five-star recruits this year. They have the potential number one overall pick in Paolo Boncaro. And just overall, I think they have the best roster in the ACC, so I'm picking them to win. All right, and uh, Blake, what is your prediction to win the ACC? Yeah, I also have Duke. It's much less about the talent on the roster, which is evident, and obviously they'll be playing hard for Coach K's final year, and more so that I think the ACC sucks this year. The normal three people who contend with Duke are Florida State, Virginia, and North Carolina. Florida State looks like a shell of its former self of what we're used to seeing. They beat Tulane by five points, and Tulane's a complete one-man show ran by Jalen Cook. Uh, they lost against Florida, who I don't know if they're that good this year. They haven't played really anyone else. So I'm really concerned about Florida State. Virginia looks horrendous. They lost to Navy in the first game of the season. Reese Beekman has not taken the step people wanted him to. And UNC also looks pretty bad. So I think Duke runs away with it pretty easily. Yeah, I'm also going to agree, and it's not so much that I think Duke is an insane team that, you know, the Duke of old with R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, et cetera. It's just like Blake said, the ACC this year is bad. If you asked me in the preseason, I would have picked Florida State to win, but like he said, Florida State is just struggling. Their offense looks horrendous. Um, but uh, next up is the Big 12. Andrew, who is your pick to win the Big 12? So my pick to win the Big 12 this year is the Baylor Bears. Uh, right now, they're ranked sixth, and they're not even ranked the highest in the conference. They were behind Kansas. Um, but Scott Drew is just – I think he's really good. He usually has answers. His defensive scheme, always great. Matthew Mayer's back. Adam Flagler. There we go. Um, so they're supposed to be two of the Big 12's best players. And they got the transfer from Arizona, James Akinjo. I don't know how to say his name, but he's good. Um, and I just think that they overall have a great roster. It's going to be a really rough conference this year in the good way. Um, but I think Bailey's going to come out on top. All right. And Blake, who is – I've got Kansas. Uh, you know, I think they've shown early, uh, led by Ochai Agbaji that they are a legit team. I think this Michigan State team is a lot better than what people are suggesting. They just got done beating Loyola Chicago, who's also a very solid team. And Kansas beat this Michigan State team through pounding that basketball. It was a close game in the end, and they were able to pull away through disciplined play led by Agbaje. I think that this is the team to look out for, especially later in the year when this discipline really comes into play 
And I don't see a team with better coaching uh, than Kansas with Bill Self, nor just more experienced veterans and an identity. All right, and uh, we'll have our first three-way split because I'm going to go ahead and take the Texas Longhorns. They're ranked number eight, which is number three in the Big 12, just to show you how highly touted this conference is preseason. But uh, I think they have arguably the best forward duo with Timmy Allen and Trey Mitchell. Um, Both guys have been playing really good this year, averaging about 25 points per game and 10 rebounds so far, uh, if you combine their statistics. Uh, Texas obviously was a really good team last year, and I know they lost to Gonzaga this year, but early season Gonzaga is like the greatest basketball team ever. Um, I'm pretty sure they would beat the Pelicans uh, if they played right now. But on to the Big Ten. Andrew, who is your pick to win the Big Ten? My pick for the Big Ten is the Purdue Boilermakers. They have been on an absolute tear to start the year. Gene Ivey. I mean, he's a star caliber player. Trivion Williams, incredible on the glass. Um, they Just overall a really good team. And I think they're by far the best team in the Big Ten uh, by large margin, and they're my pick. All right, and uh, Blake, what is your pick? Yeah, I'm also going to go with Purdue. I actually think Purdue is the best team in the nation. When I watch Purdue play, I'm, I'm watching Jane Ivey and Travion Williams and that you know seven-footer that I joked about saying he wasn't coordinated, then I watched him do a really good drop-step hook move. Yeah, he's, like, like, really fast. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just making fun of them because of the Purdue stereotype of them having, like, Matt Harms in the past who was just tall and took up space. Uh, But, no, this team is legit. Travion Williams is coming off a year in which he was touted as one of the best players in college basketball. It seems like he's only progressed. Jaden Ivey's progressed even further and is being touted as one of the early front runners for Naismith National Player of the Year. I think this team is complete. You know, they had to struggle against North Texas last year, and they returned a lot of people. And I think this team is now more ready and more experienced to make a run, not only to win the conference, but the national championship. All right, and um, I don't have much to say because we all three picked the exact same team. I'm also going with Purdue. Uh, like everybody said before, they just look far and away like the best team in the Big Ten. Michigan State has struggled a little bit today. It took a, uh, a DeAndre Ayton-type game-winning lob to beat Lola Chicago. And um, Ohio State also took a Logo 3 game-winner to beat a good Seton Hall team, but Nonetheless, I don't think either of those teams are going to compete with Purdue. But um, on to the Pac-12. Andrew, what is your pick to win the Pac-12? My pick to win the Pac-12 is UCLA. We're recording this one day after they got blown out by Gonzaga. But again, like Kale said earlier, every single year, they're the best team in the country to start the year. Tiger Campbell and Johnny Juzang, probably the best backcourt in the country. Um. Tiger Campbell feels like he's been there for a thousand years. But Johnny Juzang, everyone knows who he is. He had a great tournament run last year, incredible score. Everyone loves him. They're my pick to win the Pac-12, and I think they're going to make a really deep run this year in the tournament again. All right, and uh, Blake, what is your pick to win the Pac-12? Yeah, I also have UCLA, but I'm going to preface this by saying I think UCLA is a fraudulent team. Mm. I I don't want to, like, overreact because obviously Gonzaga is the much better team. But the game wasn't even close. Like, you know, at least, like, in the tournament last year when Gonzaga beat UCLA, it was a really close game coming down to a buzzer beater. They were trading blow and blow. 
Uh, UCLA against Gonzaga looked completely outmatched from the start. What, the game was 14 nothing at the start or something like that? It was absolutely insane. They allowed Gonzaga to dominate the paint and the outside. They shot 58% in the first half that game. I, I think UCLA is going to win just because the Pac-12 isn't strong. The second-best team is Oregon, who isn't that good. But I think that they're a fraudulent team, all things considered. I see them getting upset in the round of 32. Yeah, uh, another sweep here. I'm also going to go with UCLA. I'm maybe not as down on them as Blake is, but I do think that they're not going to make as deep as a run as they made last year. Um but I do think, honestly, with how weak the Pac-12 is and how good he is, I think Johnny Juzang might be the national player of the year this year. Um, I think he's going to dominate a bad Pac-12 conference and going to look really good doing it. But um, on to the last traditional Power 5 conference. Andrew, who is your pick to win the SEC? My pick this year to win the SEC is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nate Oates is a... I mean, phenomenal coach. I don't think there's any way around that. Uh, <clears throat> Javon Quinterly is a good mm, – I don't know. Sorry, sorry. is a good veteran returning. Uh, J.D. Davidson so far, I mean, he's just so exciting. Everyone, I think most people know him from when he was in high school. He got a ton of media coverage when he was in high school. And I just think they'll lead them over the top in the SEC. Hey, and, Blake, what is your pick to win the SEC? Yeah, I've got Kentucky. And this is solely because they have who I think could be like the most impactful player in the nation. I'm not necessarily saying best, but I think most impactful in Oscar Shibwe. Um, the guard play for Kentucky is definitely a problem. If you watch the Duke game when they played, uh, you know, when it was Kentucky versus Duke at the beginning of the season, Shibwe was creating so many opportunities through pick and rolls, but the guards could not find him because it's a problem. But I think in the SEC, they're going to end up figuring it out. Uh, and even if they don't necessarily, you know, like become like the greatest team ever, as some Kentucky teams have been, I think Oscar Shebway is enough of a presence on offense and defense to allow Kentucky to win the SEC. All right, and um, I'm torn early here, but I'm going to pick between what could be two of the best defensive teams in the country. I think at the, uh, I think it's either going to be Tennessee or Florida. Yes, I know I am a Florida fan, but so far their defense has looked incredible. Like what Blake said, Florida State is the only, like, legit, legit team they've played. Don't get me wrong. But um, they did play Patrick Williams Jr., who is supposed to be a top five, maybe top ten pick, and locked him down for the most part. He got a lot of late, uh, late time points, but I digress. Uh, they had Florida State scrambling at the end of shot clocks. Their defense just looks really good. Anthony DeRuji looks like one of the most – improved players in the nation went from a guy who could literally only catch lobs to now being a, a great rebounder and a great shooter and a great finisher, a good defender. And then Colin Castleton, obviously averaging about uh, 17 points, 11 rebounds and five blocks has been a really good defensive presence in the paint for Florida. And then overall, Tennessee is just always a good SEC team. Their defense also looks pretty good and they have maybe – behind Alabama, some of the best guard play in the SEC. And when it comes to the SEC, the team you always pick to win it preseason, like the Kentucky or Alabama or LSU, seems like they never win the tournament or the SEC tournament. And I'm going to stick with that logic because Alabama, I believe, was a preseason favorite, and I think it's going to be either Florida or Tennessee. I can't make a decision yet. But on to the American Conference, 
Andrew, who do you think is going to win the American? So I'm going to take Memphis. Uh, I don't think it has to say much. I don't have to say much about it. They have Amani Bates, who ever since he's been in seventh grade, I believe it was, has been hyped up as the next Kevin Durant. Whether you believe that or not, um, it's undeniable that all the scoring talent is there with him. He's a great player. They also He wasn't even their highest recruit this year. Um, Jalen Duran is their center that they recruited. And, I mean, just as a pair, they're one of the most talented pairs of freshmen in the country, if not the most. And they're my pick to win the American coach by Penny Hardaway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, Blake, what is your pick to win the American? I've got Cincinnati. Now, obviously, Memphis is the most talented team in the conference. But that's honestly been the case for the past two years, probably. And they haven't got it done. Yeah. I am not, I'm not a believer in Penny Hardaway. I think he's a horrendous coach. And I think talent can only take you so far. Now, let me read y'all some very interesting stats from Cincinnati here. Because Cincinnati's identity is a really strong defensive team that will take care of the ball. Um, so, let's see. In terms of field, opponent field goal percentage, they are holding opponents to the 10th the, the best field goal percentage for them. Opponents are only shooting 34% on Cincinnati. Um, we also have the fact that teams are only scoring 57.7 points on Cincinnati. And I would like to remind y'all, it's not like Cincinnati has played bums. They are currently sitting at 5-1. and one. Their only loss is a six-point loss in the clutch to a good Arkansas team. They steamrolled Illinois, who obviously isn't the same Illinois we know. But beating Illinois by 20 with Kofi Coburn is still an impressive victory, especially only holding them to 51 points. This is an impressive defensive team who can take care of the ball, and I think that's what you're going to end up needing to defeat the star talent of Memphis. If you can get out, if you can outcoach Penny Hardaway, continue to play hard defense, I think you can pull it out. Yeah, uh, like Blake said, Penny Hardaway is a terribly awful coach. Uh, maybe the best recruiter in basketball, but with money, yeah, with money. <laughs> but um, in game coaching, he's really bad. With that being said, I am going to fall on the Memphis sword. The Americans are really quality conference. I really believe in Cincinnati like Blake, and I think Houston is a good team too. But at some point, talent, it, it can't always get it done. But when you have such a talented team like Memphis, like Blake said, they have lost with the most talented roster in the American. But I think that this is the most talented Memphis team he's had so far yet. And with such a duo – like Duran and Imani Bates, I think they have to win the conference. And if they don't, regardless of how well he is recruiting, if Penny Hardaway cannot win the American this year, I think it is officially time for him to go. But um, on to the final conference, the final Power 7 conference, the Big East. Andrew, who is your pick to win the Big East? So I'm going to pick an unpopular pick here. They lose their – so my pick is Creighton to win the Big East. Their entire starting five from last season is gone. Uh, Marco Zagorowski mm. being the best one, he's gone, got drafted. Uh, but they're bringing in the most talented recruiting class in Korean history. Now, that might not sound like a lot because they're in Omaha. How good can they really recruit? But they had the eighth best recruiting class this year in the country. And talented recruiting class doesn't equal success, obviously. They're going to be um, inexperienced. But they, I mean, headed by Arthur Kaluma, like they had a very good recruiting class. And I believe in Greg McDermott to coach his team and win the Big East this year. All right, Blake, who was your pick to win the Big East? 
I've got Xavier, and a lot of it falls into why I chose Cincinnati as well. Xavier is also a very solid defensive team, holding teams once again to 34% from the field so far, with also playing Ohio State, who, you know, obviously has not had the most ideal start for them, but I think is a really good team. EJ Liddell is one of the best forwards in the country. Um, they're holding teams with 58 points per game, but unlike Cincinnati, which doesn't really have a go-to offensive weapon, Xavier has combo guard Paul Scruggs, who can do it all, averaging 16 a game, four assists, 5.5 rebounds a game, creating his own shots a lot of the time, shooting 33% from three on 5.3 attempts a game. I think that with Paul Scruggs and with the strong defense of Xavier, they can pull it out, especially with the gauntlet they have to go through in a non-conference schedule. First, having to face Ohio State, then having Iowa State tonight, who's a really underrated team, having Oklahoma State, Cincinnati. And, uh, these are really good non-conference teams that I think is going to prepare them really well for the uh, conference championship. My pick to win the Big East is UConn, uh, famously a basketball school, even more famously a football school. But um, as I'm recording this, they are beating a very good Auburn team by 10 in the battle for Atlantis. Um, but I think UConn is just an overall really good team, um, which they usually are, like I said. Uh, oh, this is, a, this is a name. Sangoa, I think that's correct. Their forward has been extremely efficient this year. He's shooting almost 70% from the field with 16 points per game and six rebounds. And it's just an overall really – um, well-balanced team they have five yeah five uh double digit scores this year and then three more averaging at least eight points coming off the bench it's just a team that could really spread the rock they could score with anybody the mismatch ability on the offense is just incredible you really have to man up it's almost like you can't leave anyone open and they have a lot of playmaking too with um in their guards especially Andre Jackson he's averaging about nine points and uh, seven rebounds and four assists off 50% shooting, just a really well-balanced roster, and I think it's going to get it done, especially when it comes time for the uh, the uh, tournament, which where you really need a lot of individual scoring to go on. But um, that is the last little bit of talk about college basketball. We will be returning to it, maybe not as frequently as we are, uh, you know, the mainstream sports, but especially when it comes time for March, we would definitely be talking a lot about college basketball. But on to um, professional basketball, the NBA, just a couple of narratives being crushed last night, potentially. Uh, Blake, what are your thoughts on Damian Lillard finally finding his shot last night? I'm not surprised. He's been hurt. Uh, I've been trying to tell everyone this. He was dealing with a core injury. He obviously was not the same, Damian Lillard. And he finally decided, it's time for me to get smart and sit out a game. He did this. All of a sudden, he comes back, and he's looking much more like normal Damian Lillard. He actually gave himself time to rest, not force himself to play through an injury he sustained during the Olympics. And he's been much better because of it. I, I'm not surprised. Damian Lillard is the, uh, if you don't, if you count James Harden as a point guard, he's the third or fourth best point guard in the league. Um, but, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's an elite. I, I don't know what else to say. He's one of the best offensive engines of all time. Agreed. Everyone was overreacting, but obviously last night versus the Nuggets, 25 points, 70% from the field, 62.5% from three. 
people were thinking Damian Lillard was washed. It was over for Damian Lillard. Trade him. I think his 2K rating dropped all the way down to 89 overall. Yeah, it was. Which was crazy. But, um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Damian Lillard finally finding his shots? Do you think he can sustain this? And do you think that the Trailblazers could get back to being a playoff team? Oh, okay. So, the first part of the question about Dame. Um, I – I agree with everything that Blake said. It's Damian Lillard. I was pretty confident that he would get back to being who he was. He started off the season rough, and everyone was harping on him. Everyone was freaking out. Oh, it's his name's time. I thought it was stupid. Like Blake said, it, everyone, it was pretty – people made it very clear that he was suffering from a core injury, and I I just expect him to turn back up. I, he is Damian Lillard. Everyone knows what he's capable of. On the front of are the Trailblazers a playoff team, though – I don't know. I don't like their roster construction at all. I think the backcourt of CJ and Dame just year in, year out, constantly. I just it never it has never gotten any better, and I think it's just slowly getting worse. The issue is right now they're the sixth seed, and that's the playoff team. But you look at the teams behind them. You have the Nuggets, who I think will jump them. You have the Lakers, who I know are struggling, but they're still the Lakers. They still have LeBron James, and I know that we love to hate on them, but I still think they'll sneak into the the playoff uh, somehow. And then that leaves them around nine, and I think they'll be a play-in team, but I just don't see them making the being a top-eight seed. I don't like the Blazers. I don't think they're very good, and yeah. But Damian Lillard being good does not surprise me, and I oh. think he'll keep it up. So on the on the question of if the Blazers are like a playoff team, I actually really like the Blazers roster. I'm actually disappointed that Chauncey Billups is a coach so far this season. I mean, you didn't know what to expect with Chauncey Billups as a coach. He's a first time head coach, but I feel like he's not using his roster correctly. You you got Larry Nance Jr., who was a mm. really good player in Cleveland. Uh, people like before he got hurt, uh, like a few years, like two years ago, he was like top five discussion for defensive player of the year. He is a defensive-minded player who can stretch the floor and is a pretty good passer. I thought with Larry Nance Jr., they're going to be able to run small ball lineups with Larry Nance or even have him at the four while Nurkic is at the five, allow Dame to play off ball more. But it's been the same old, same old of Dame or CJ go ISO, and then we'll solve it from there. Their defense hasn't looked much better even with the inclusion of Nance. And this is a team that has... Nance, Nurkic, and Roko, who are three of the better defenders in the NBA. So I think the Blazers need to either be like, okay, why is it not working? Or they have to trade CJ McCollum to get an actual point of attack defender. All right. All right. Um, another narrative, this one was probably much harsher than Dame's. Kristaps uh, Porzingis has been on a tear this season, especially without Luka. 21 points per game, eight rebounds. He's shooting... 46% from the field, about 35% from three. Last night in the win versus the Clippers, he had 37 and a block, all 56% shooting and 40% from three. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Kristaps Przingis this season? Do you think he could sustain this? And what are your thoughts on the Mavs as a team going forward? So the issue with Kristaps Przingis, everyone has – I. I know people, uh, after last year, people said he sucked, whatever. The issue with Chris Porzingis has never been the talent. Everyone knows it's there. Everyone knows what he's capable of. He's a 7'3", I believe he is, maybe even taller. But he's a 7'3", seven seven three, three, 240. Yeah, 7'3", power forward, who can shoot the ball, or at least coming out, can shoot the ball as good as anyone else. Uh, he 
his defense has taken a hit with injuries. The thing that scares me with Chris Stapps, and I'm sure it scares every single other person that cares about him or cares about the Mavericks, cares about basketball, is his injuries. So I, he's played well this year. He's played great this year. It's hard to ignore. His defense is still – it's not as good as it was when he was a Nick. His true shooting percentage, I mean, this year is still relatively low. I thought with the splits it would be better. Uh, it's still good. I mean, it's actually still really good. But I just think that he will be able to keep this up if he avoids injuries. But the issue is, will he be able to stay healthy for a whole season? I think that's what we need to wait and see with Chris Ellis Porzingis. All right, and uh, Blake, what are your thoughts on Porzingis and the Mavs moving forward as a team? Um, well, they have Jason Kidd as their coach, which is the main problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm a staunch hater of Jason Kidd as a coach. Um, I mean, he's awful. Yeah, I mean, he was terrible for Milwaukee. He ruined Giannis's shot. And, like, we saw him try to do things, like, in the first few games of the season. The Mavericks, like, have Jordan Finney-Smith and post-up opportunities, which should, like, never be the case. And, I mean, he's luckily realized that he can't do that. But he's tried to make it a focal point to get Porzingis more involved in the offense. The problem is, if you do that, you're going to lose in the playoffs. The, the playoffs have to be solely through Luka Doncic for you to even have a chance. And they've been trying to utilize Porzingis more, which is good for his regular season numbers and everything. But I think when it comes time for the playoffs, people are going to realize that statistically it's not efficient what he's doing. You can shoot all the mid-range turnaround shots you want, but if your points per possession are only like 1.26 versus a Luka isolation, which is like 1.37 points per possession, these things matter in terms of... Uh, you know, playoff opportunity and actually uh, getting the win in playoffs against really good teams. And I, I'm, I'm very interested to see if Jason Kidd can recognize this. I don't think he will. And actually commit to uh, using a Lucas-centric offense again. I agree. Um, I think when it comes time for playoffs, you know, everyone wants to say that Luca is the next great and he's going to be, you know, one of the next goes. But the Mavericks have still yet to get it done in the playoffs. No shot at Luka. He has played pretty well in most playoff games, although his fourth quarters are pretty streaky. Nobody wants to talk about that, but I digress. Um, I don't think this is very sustainable for the Mavs. I'm not in love with their roster, and I still don't think Porzingis times Luka is a great duo, and I don't think it'll get you far in a really good Western Conference. But speaking of the Western Conference in the playoffs, last night, Lose Madison Square Garden and have fallen below 500 and nearly completely out of the playoffs. They are now sitting at the ninth seed, just above the Minnesota Timberwolves, I believe. Uh, just real quick, um, yeah. So they are sitting just one. No, they are tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves and are just two games ahead of the Thunder. As we know, the Thunder have beaten them twice. So if those records do tie, then the Thunder will jump the Lakers. Andrew, what are your thoughts so far on the Lakers? I know we talked about this last episode, but they just cannot seem to get it turned around. And I must say, even with a good Russell Westbrook game. Uh, The thing, Russell Westbrook played very well in this game. He, you know, 31, 10, 13, 10 for 18 shooting, 3 for 6 from 3. A game that you will not get out of Russell Westbrook very often. But I don't. I think you have to take this game with the grain of salt. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker started in this game, went over eight from the field, over two from three, zero points, four assists, three or two rebounds, three fouls. Very bad game. Be, I, LeBron was out in this game, and 
I mean, lose. I don't think that excuses you from losing to the Knicks if you want to be a championship caliber team. But they do not have LeBron in this game, obviously, because of the Isaiah Stewart thing, the whole scuffle, whatever you want to call it. And they almost come back in this game. The Lakers, I'm still very firmly in the camp, are not a championship contender. They are not that good of a team. Everything about them, Frank Vogel is bad. I don't love their pieces. They're still starting DeAndre Jordan at center, which will never be a recipe for a contending team. Trust me, I know. But I I don't know. I still think that they're going to make the playoffs, like I said a little bit earlier. But it's really bad for any title hopes that they've had so far. If you just look at the way they've been playing, everything about them, there's nothing that points to this team can win an, or an NBA championship. Well, you said losing to the Knicks is uh, not inexcusable for a championship contending team. These are the games that Russell Westbrook was supposed to win you when LeBron James is out, like he is. And these are the games that Russell Westbrook has not won you. Um, which, honestly, that I, I am sliding Russell Westbrook there, but I think this more falls on Anthony Davis. Another inefficient game, and he wasn't really dominant in any way, only 20.6 rebounds. But um, this duo is just not getting it done without LeBron, and, and you cannot – cling onto a 36-year-old LeBron James to will you into the playoffs. But, um, Blake, what are your thoughts on the Lakers this season? Do you think they will make it out of the play-in uh, by being an actual playoff team, or do you think they will be a play-in team? Oh, I think they'll make it out of the play-in. I, I have enough faith in them to say that. I think, you know, they have so much talent. Even if it doesn't fit, I can't see them being a play-in team. Um, it, well, if LeBron's more healthy, that is. Um, that really depends on LeBron's health. I think he'll be more healthy as the season progresses. He might take a few rest games, but I think he'll be mostly fine. I think the main call for concern, Ross played great yesterday. Like, Ross was doing things I haven't seen him do since his MVP season last night, uh, like on a consistent basis. The problem is, what is up with Anthony Davis's shot? Uh, like, you know, Anthony Davis has always been a player who could hit free throws at an effective rate. He could hit the mid-range at an effective rate. He was an eh three-point shooter. But, like, you know, you had to kind of respect him from out there. This season, he's, he's, he's terrible from, like, anywhere other than, like, within the like, paint. From the free throw line last game, he shot five for 11. As, as a Pelicans fan, I cannot tell you the last time I saw Anthony Davis miss more than half his free throws. There is something wrong with Anthony Davis, and I'm not sure if it's his injuries that have finally caught up to him because he's a stick and a frail, if it's some sort of switch he hasn't really put on yet. I, I don't know what his issue is this season, but it, it's something wrong with Anthony Davis that is really going to limit this team's ceiling within the playoffs. Um, I do want to actually talk good about the New York Knicks, though, instead of just you know, smashing the Lakers. They came into this game without Derrick Rose, who's arguably been their best player this season, um, because Julius Randle has not been that good. And they got well, a as a Bucks fan, I saw a lot of Derrick Rose in those two games we played. <laughs> yeah, they they got it done. I mean, you know, Russell Westbrook played really well, and you still beat a uh, person who normally can will teams to win. Um, their bench unit's been great this season. Quickly, <clears throat> quickly was going off. Uh, in the fourth quarter that really just let New York keep the lead. Obi Toppin's been one of the most underappreciated bench players this season. He's been really good. His dunking threat, you know, we make fun of him. All he can do is dunk. But, like, his dunking threat provides a lot of gravity for New York that allows people like Derrick Rose, quickly, Alec Burks, to open up the floor because teams have to respect Toppin's athleticism. 
Toppin's also been a pretty solid defender this year. I, I think that this New York team is good. Um, I think they've got a lot of complete pieces. The problem is Julius Randle's holding them back. He's he's too much of a black hole on offense. I agree, yeah. Um, the Julius Randle we saw last year, obviously all-star game Julius Randle is definitely not the Julius Randle we are getting this year. It's been a pretty poor season for him so far. So, as we move on to college football, we are bringing back an old guest, Dan. C.J. Stroud for Heisman, baby. Last time we had him on, college football was a lot different. Uh, But now we're at the end of the season, and Rivalry Week is this week. A lot of fun games, as there always is during Rivalry Week. Rivalry Week. There we go. So, (laughs) tomorrow... The first game of the week is the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State versus Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin versus Mike Leach. Kale, if you wanted to start, who do you have winning this game? Oh, uh, yeah, I think Ole Miss is going to win this game, and I think it's going to be pretty convincingly. Mississippi State keeps getting a bunch of, like, random weight ranked wins and then, like, would proceed to lose to, like, Vanderbilt. But um, Ole Miss should be the significantly better team. Matt Corral is obviously a way better quarterback than Will Rogers. Uh, I think – Ole Miss's defense is somehow better than Mississippi State's, even though Mississippi State's defense has been picking up these last couple weeks. But um, Matt Campbell, or not, excuse me, not Matt Campbell, but Campbell on the um, Ole Miss defense has been one of the better linebackers this year. Um, Dante Drummond, obviously, on the offense, Ron Ely, Snoop Connor, just a stacked Ole Miss offense per usual. Uh, this game should end up being pretty high scoring, but I, in a shootout, I will trust the better quarterback, and the better quarterback is Matt Crow by the mile. Blake, if you wanted to give yours a take. Yeah, yeah, Ole Miss. I mean, Gail pretty much summarized it. It's going to be a barn burner. There's going to be, like, no defense whatsoever. And it's just going to be, you know, Mississippi State Mike Leach air raid versus Lane Kiffin offensive god. Um, And I do trust the Ole Miss offense over the Mississippi State offense. And Dan, your take. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Um, I think their offense is peaking at the right time. Uh, it, Like Kale said, it's going to be a high-scoring game. And when it comes to high-scoring games, I think I trust Mike Leach more when it comes to being able to execute when the score is in the 40s. So I'll, I'll go with Mississippi State in this one. I am also going to take Mississippi State in this one. They are favored in this game. They're home. Um, I just think they're going to be able to get it done. Mike Leach gets a lot of fire. A lot of people don't like him. I think Lane Kiffin's a better coach. But like Dan said, high-scoring game. Just Mike Leach a little more. Um, So I'm going to pick Mississippi State as well. We got a nice split there. Next, we have the game of the week. Game day went there. It's the game between Ohio State and Michigan I will let Dan start with this one. Who do you think wins this game? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a close one. It's a good game. Oh, uh, shut up, Mich- dude. Just go ahead and say it. <laughs> uh, Ohio State's winning by 30. Um, I, I don't think their offense can keep up. I don't trust Cade McNamara. Uh, our offense, again, you know, you want to talk about peaking at the right time. We've just stomped two ranked teams in back-to-back weeks by 30 points so it's like i don't unless aiden hutchinson and david whatever his name is has a day 
like and i mean a day i i don't see how they can contain travion henderson jackson smith and jigba chris olave garrett i just don't see it even with our deficiencies on offense they need to score 40 and i don't know how they score 40 um kale we'll go to you who do you think wins the game uh, so, yeah, um, Ohio State has obviously dominated this rivalry, but this year the air just feels a little bit different up there in Ohio and Michigan. Uh, with that being said, um, I think Michigan is going to start out the game pretty well. Their defense is going to make a statement maybe on the first two or three drives, and then Ohio State is going to proceed to score about 56 points and uh, just bury them. Uh, I, I, Michigan fans are – I haven't seen them this hyped up for uh, – for the game since the year JT was long and um <laughs> yeah well I can't say it was short but um yeah th- I don't see this one being very close Cade McNamara cannot win a shootout with CJ Stroud um Blake Corum is not going to carry them uh like Kenneth Walker carried them in the uh Paul Bunyan Bowl or whatever that rivalry is called <laughs> um, yeah, I just really don't see this game being so close at all. And Blake, we'll go to you. Look, Ohio State's a better team. But this is a trap game for Ohio State. What? You know, yeah, they're, look, they're overconfident. You know, they, they just got done crushing Michigan State. They, they think C.J. Stroud is going to win the Heisman. This is a really talented team, but also young, inexperienced, and overconfident. Michigan is going to showcase why it is their year to win the conference. Oh, shut up. And they are going to beat Ohio State. The offense for Ohio State will fail to actually gain ground (laughs) in this game. Michigan wins due to the conservative play style of Cade McNamara, the running attack they have that Ohio State has struggled with on the year of stopping the run, um, I, I do think that Michigan does pull this game out. How is it a trap game? That insinuates they're looking <laughs> they're ahead to the They're overconfident, Dan. You heard no, they're me. not. Dude, if there is one game we take super seriously, ever since Trestle got here, you can look at the trend. There's one game we take super seriously. It's Michigan. We nope. never overlook Michigan. On the, on, the campus, on, the campus, on the campus, we have a clock that counts down to the game. We mark off every M in the campus. We have random jerseys placed over the campus and in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center just stomp on whenever you're there. This is not a game we overlook. That, that's y'all great. I, did, have, I, y'all know, I did not, I did not the know the Ohio State student body was the Ohio State football team. You know, I, that's oh. The football know team that. does not over – like I said, this is the game we work for. This is, the, this is what matters. Ever since Tressel got here, he's made it a point that the game that determined – because you look at the 90s. We had multiple national championship teams. We had Orlando Pace, Eddie George, Terry Glenn, David Boston. We never won a championship because every time John Cooper dropped an egg against Michigan. So ever since we got here, we've made it a point. Michigan is the game that determines our season. So ever since 2000, we've never overlooked this game. Ohio State already has Georgia on the film TVs, man. They're, <laughs> they're overlooking them. Hey, that's true. Like they're, they're overconfident. They're so used to beating Michigan now. They're like, hey, we got to get ready for the playoffs. If, if, if we're so overconfident, we would have dropped a game in the last decade. 
because we haven't lost the the only time in the last 16 years since 2003 that we've lost to Michigan is when we were six and seven with Luke Fickle as an interim coach. We do not overlook this game. Hey, <laughs> Fickle is a good Fickle. coach. Hey, y'all. Hey, all I'm saying is when Michigan wins this week, don't they're come not crying. going to win. Don't they're going come... to get stomped. You've don't seen what Cade McNamara said. They're going to find a way to take advantage of Ohio State. Yeah, how they is are it not for teams that gave Ohio State billboard material? Look at Clemson last year. It does. This it all all you're doing there with McNamara is giving Ohio State something to post in their locker room or in the in the practice facility to give them more fuel to kick their I, I won't swear. Um <laughs> it's it's just this I don't know how you can say this is a trap game. We never overlook even when they were terrible in like 2012, 2013. We never overlooked them, and we constantly give them our all. You never see us just overlook Michigan for the Big Ten championship game or the playoff. It doesn't happen. I, we have to move on. I would love to debate about this for a while, but we already had a very long college basketball <laughs> segment, and I don't want this get, uh, this episode to be two hours. I am going to pick Ohio State. Uh, CJ Stroud was my husband pick last week. I think that they absolutely steamroll Michigan, and they show why they were ranked two over Alabama this week. Moving on, the next game that we have to talk about is Florida State versus Florida, the Sunshine State uh, rivalry. And there we go, the game, whatever you want to call it. Um, we'll go Kale, Florida fan first. Who do you oh, think wins? We have to. Uh, listen, um, Florida takes this game seriously, much like Ohio State does. And the problem with Florida these past couple of games is it looks like just nobody cares. But with that being said, I feel like you have interim head coaches, like half the coaching staff is gone. I don't even know who's going to be on the sideline telling people what to do at this point. Florida State, somehow, we're we're both five and six. Florida is the better team. They have the better roster, no question about it. But Florida State is at least put together. I think they're going to come into this game a little more confidently. You've seen they already beat Miami. Um, they've already the they Florida State is just going to be more composed. This game is in the swamp. I do think it's going to be close. Anthony Richardson is the starter naturally, so Florida's offense is not going to be just stuck in mud all game like it is has been with Emory Jones these past couple weeks. But Florida State is just going to be more put together, and I think they're going to win this game. Sadly, uh, Blake, you can go. Uh, both these teams are bad. I'd rather not talk about this game in depth. I think Florida's just better. Fair okay. enough. Fair. Dan? Uh, go Florida State. I hate Florida, and I don't want to see them make a bowl. So, And I don't care to talk about any of these teams. Like Blake said in depth, they're both terrible. So go Florida State. I'm going to pick Florida. Again, they both suck, but I just, I'll always pick anyone versus Florida State. I refuse to pick them to ever win a game. So, the next one, a fun game. Well, you know, strong rivalry here, the Iron Bowl. Uh, It's rivalry week. So, naturally, we have seen the kick six posted by every single media outlet 7,000 times. Remember this legendary ending to the 2013 Iron Bowl. In case you've (laughs) never seen it before, I don't know. I don't know who hasn't seen that by now. But that game is this weekend and it always provides or not always but it's a good game who do you have winning dan 
I want to say Auburn, but I know Alabama's going to win. Uh, <laughs> it, they're without Bo Nix. I don't know if that even matters because he's terrible, but he's a lot better than TJ Finley. Let's let's give him his props here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Bama is it's Bama. <laughs> I, I don't unless Tank Bigsby has like an all-time performance. I don't see how Auburn keeps it close. Kale. Yeah, Alabama's just the significantly better roster. Um, they Listen, say whatever you want to about Bo Nix. He has some magic when it comes to being in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And, listen, Auburn might have been able to give him a run with Bo Nix doing his crazy – like exactly what he did versus LSU, just making insane plays that he could only make once in a blue moon. But um, I think Will Anderson is going to have another extremely dominant game. I think that's going to set the tone. I don't really see – Tank Bigsby has been inefficient this year. Hasn't been nearly the running back I thought he would be, Um, which just all around, Auburn's a bad team. They lost to South Carolina, who is not good either. Alabama's going to win by a lot. Blake? Look, this is the TJ Finley revenge game. Uh, this, was, this was the game when he was at LSU, when he played Alabama, that really just made people be like, wow, this guy is pretty bad at quarterback. Uh, and this, this is the TJ Finley revenge game. So Alabama wins this by 30. Only 30. Yeah. I have to agree. I think it's very hard to pick against. Alabama here. Alabama has looked very beatable in recent weeks. They should have lost to LSU if they had any competent type of quarterback. They almost lost to Arkansas. Uh, they, they're definitely beatable, but uh, they're not going to lose to Auburn. They're not going to lose this game. Uh, the next rivalry that we have to talk about, I say the word so much, it's starting to get hard to say, is the Civil War. We have Oregon versus Oregon State. I believe Oregon State won it last year. They did. Yeah. Um, Pac-12 homo- or Pac-12 cannibalism, not homicide, always <laughs> happens. So uh, we'll start off with Kale here. Crime picks up there a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I'm going against Green here. I think Oregon State two peats. Um, Oregon has just looked a little dysfunctional. Anthony Brown has just completely fallen off a cliff. And B.J. Baylor, uh, State's new running back, has 112 rushing yards to complement his team having. 200 or excuse me 2500 rushing yards as a team 70 touchdowns or 30 touchdowns sorry um it's just a really good rushing team and that's exactly what won them the Oregon game last year Kayvon Thibodeau seems to have honestly checked out for the season he knows he's a top three pick at worst and doesn't seem to be trying much anymore the offense has become stagnant without CJ Verdell and Oregon is just super beatable, especially when you add in the magical Pac-12 cannibalism. It's already gotten them once last week when they got dominated by Utah, which I believe Oregon State beat Utah. I don't know if that's a memory. Yeah, they did, 42-34. to 34. And I think Oregon State, is that's not a fluke game. I think they're genuinely better than Utah. Uh, Oregon State is my pick to win this game. Dan? Uh, let's go Oregon State. Uh, yeah. Anthony Brown is just not a good quarterback. I don't know how we lost to him. CJ uh, Verdell masterclass, man. We talked about this. Yeah, I mean, Travis Dye's been having a good couple uh, weeks. But, um, yeah, I just want to see the Pac-12 in shambles. So, let's go Oregon State. Blake? I uh, literally know nothing about Oregon State this year. I'm going to be honest. Um, but uh, just based off teams and talent, I'm going to go Oregon. 
Um, you know, even though they looked dysfunctional and got absolutely godsnacked by Utah last week, I, I think that they realize their season's pretty much over and they don't want to be embarrassed by getting beat by Oregon State twice in a row. So I'm going with Oregon. I'm also going to go with Oregon. I just think that they're the more talented roster. Again, they just got smacked by Utah, but I think they bounced back. I like Mario Cristobal a lot, and I don't think he's going to let his team lose to Oregon State twice in a row. Oh, it's a Beaver State now, buddy. (laughs) So (laughs) I'd be happy to see Oregon State win. I'm one for good teams losing to unranked teams. I mean, they're both good teams, but ranked teams losing to unranked teams. The next one we have to talk about is Penn State versus Michigan State. Uh, this game probably would have been a lot more fun if it happened earlier in the year. The two teams were a lot better. Michigan State is just coming off an absolute beating from Woo! Ohio State. Uh, there's a lot of different words you could use to describe it, but we'll, we'll go beating. Oh, they got destroyed. Molly whopping. Um, Penn State just beat my rocker, Scarlet Knights, unfortunately. 28 um, nothing. But who do you think wins this game, Blake? Uh... I'm going with Penn State. I think Penn State's going to do the tactic of loading eight men in the box against Kenneth Walker. And if you stop Kenneth Walker, as we saw last week, uh, Michigan State is literally not a team. Uh, they, <laughs> they are, I think, you know, if you took out Kenneth Walker from their team, I might, I might give even LSU the edge over them this year. Uh, as an LSU fan, that's pretty embarrassing. And I do think Penn State will just neutralize Kenneth Walker enough to where they win like 10-7. Dan, <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is this is a weird game because I want to say Penn State wins because I think Clifford's good enough, and I think Sean, I mean Jahan Dotson's explosive enough, but they have no running game at all. Their defense is really good, but I think it's disingenuous to say that without Kenneth Walker, Michigan State doesn't have anything. I mean, Jaden Reed's really good. If Jalen yeah, Reed is really good. If Jalen Naylor is there, that's another explosive guy they have. Um, they have a couple of good tight ends. So they have an offense outside of Kenneth Walker. The problem against Ohio State was they gave him one carry on the first drive, right? It went for negative one yards. And then they didn't give him another carry for the next two drives. So then you're down 21, 28 nothing. So how are you going to utilize your running back? You basically forced yourself by a stupid game plan to just not use your Heisman front runner. So I think this game, if Kenneth Walker's fully healthy, I'm reading that he has like he, he's injured to an extent. But if he's I, I think Mel Tucker makes a point that we messed up against Ohio State by only giving Kenneth Walker six carries. They're going to feed Kenneth Walker again. Kale. Uh, so yeah, I'm also gonna go with Penn State. Um, their defense is ridiculous, and what I really think is gonna win them the game is, like I talked about la- uh, yesterday uh, or last episode, excuse me. Um, Michigan State has the dead last passing defense in the country, uh, and Jahad Dotson is going to absolutely take advantage of that. If he has 200 yards receiving, you will not color me surprised at all, and I think that. You look at the two impact players here. Obviously, it's going to be Jahad Dotson. It's going to be Kenneth Walker. I think that uh, Jahad Dotson does a lot better job of taking advantage of the Michigan State passing defense, and Kenneth Walker will be able to take advantage of the uh, Penn State rushing defense, which is one of the best in the country nationally. Um, 
And then overall, Sean Clifford is the better quarterback of the game, which isn't saying much. But I, he could get it done a lot better than um. I've forgotten his name. He's so bad. Yeah, him. Um, it's just going to be the Jihad Dotson that game. That's what it boils down to, and I think Penn State's going to get the win. I'm going to take Michigan State. Uh, another – yeah, I just – they got blown out last week by Ohio State. We talked about it already. Rutgers beat – or uh, not Rutgers. Penn State beat Rutgers. There we go. Um, but it wasn't convincing. 7 nothing at halftime, and Rutgers is still Rutgers. They're a five-win team. But, you know, it's you know the Scarlet Knights. Um, I'm going to take Michigan State. I think Kenneth Walker has a bounce-back game, even though Penn State's defense is great. Pe- or Peyton Thorne kind of sucks, like we already talked about, but they have a great receiving core. And overall, I just think that they are the better team than Penn State, so I'm going to take them to win this game. The final game we'll talk about this week is Bedlam, Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma State is favored in this game. It has heavy pl- college football playoff implications to it. Both of these teams still have good shots of making it. Oklahoma State has a much better shot than Oklahoma. But who do you think wins this game, Kale? Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma State, and I think it's honestly going to be a little bit convincing. Oklahoma State has been absolutely dominant ever since they lost to Iowa State. They beat Kansas 55-3. to They beat West Virginia 24-3. to They beat TCU 63-17. to And they beat Texas Tech 23 to nothing. Holding Texas Tech to zero points is beyond impressive. Um, scoring a bunch of points on Texas Tech, easy as day. But holding them to zero is super impressive. Spencer Sanders, I'm not a big fan of him. He's good enough to get it done in this game. Um, they have a great, great running game. It's a three-deep running back rotation. Jalen Warren's really good. Spencer Sanders obviously could run the ball well. And then they have Richardson and Nixon, who are combined about 600 yards. Um this is going to be a defensive game like Oklahoma games have been the past couple weeks. Caleb Williams is obviously very good, but he just hasn't seemed to have it this week. And God forbid you put in Spencer Sand, uh, Spencer Radler. Uh, he's going to not be able to do anything against his Oklahoma State defense. So I do think Oklahoma State wins. I think they win by a couple possessions. Blake? I've got Oklahoma. I actually, uh, you know, Oklahoma State is a phenomenal defense. They are a top five defense in college football this year. Uh, Oklahoma's really struggled recently on offense. But for some reason, I have a feeling that Oklahoma gets it somewhat together offensively. They strike first in this game and really put a, make Oklahoma State press the panic button. You know, Oklahoma State, uh, as Kale was saying, they've held teams to very few points. And I think if Oklahoma can start early, score early, it's going to make things a lot of pressure for Oklahoma State, and I'm not sure how they're going to end up responding to pressure like that in such a huge game. I do. If this is if this does end up being a shootout, which I highly doubt, then Oklahoma will win the game. I, I don't do even think it'll be a shootout. I just think that uh, Oklahoma can score 24 points, and Oklahoma State might only score 20. Mm. Okay, Dan? Uh, you know, this is an interesting game because I think Oklahoma – is the more talented team. Yeah, but they just have not been able to put it together at all. They've, I mean, they've escaped what, like seven games this year against yeah. way inferior teams. Their defense has been subscribing to the break, don't bend notion all year, like against Texas, where, yeah, let's, let's give them, let's spot them 30 points and then see what happens. Um, I, I think Oklahoma State takes advantage of the fact that Oklahoma, 
doesn't seem to ever get it together early in games. Um, they, Oklahoma's been the comeback kids all year. I, I don't think they can do it here. Oklahoma State's defense is too good. Their offense is too explosive. They've only allowed 23 points in the last four weeks. Um, I, I don't see how Oklahoma comes out with a win. I'm also taking Oklahoma State. I think their defense being a top three defense statistically this year kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think too many people would have expected that. The Big 12 as a whole kind of started decided to start playing defense, but that's besides the point. I think Oklahoma State is the better team with their defense, and Spencer Sanders is getting better. Um, like Kale said, he's not great, but lightning fast. He has some big play potential. He can get it done. Um, Jalen Warren is a great college football running back, and just I think overall as a team, they're better than Oklahoma. So I think they win this matchup, and I think they are primed to make a college football playoff push. Uh, on the topic of college football, now that we get the games out of the way, the coaching carousel in the offseason, very fun every, or every year. This year especially, there's a lot of very storied and good programs open, a lot of blue bloods. Uh, Kale, I'll let you run this since your team needs a coach. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, first of all, the first team that needs a coach is Florida. Obviously, they've pretty much fired their entire coaching staff, but we really only care about the head coach. Dan Mullen looked like one of the best head coaches in the country last year, and now he goes 2-6 and six in the ACC and gets canned. Naturally so, because that should never be acceptable at the University of Florida. So um, there is a pretty strong growing that Florida has hired Billy Napier. And I'm just gonna go ahead and subscribe to that because that seemed like the, um, that seemed like the out not preseason, but that seemed like the betting favorite before confirmation started to come out. So I just want to go around the table. Um, what are your thoughts on this hire, Andrew? I like it. I don't have too much to say about it, but I think it's the right choice, uh, especially right now with who's available. All right, and uh, Dan, what is your thought on this hire? I have no idea who Billy Napier is. Hold on, I'm looking him up. <laughs> it's uh, the Louisiana head coach. He used to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama when they had Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley. So oh, that's cool. Play. That's a cool hire. Good for Florida. Uh, and then, Blake, what is your thoughts on this Yeah, hire? I actually I wanted him to be the hire for LSU, keep him in Louisiana. Um, but, you know, I really like him. He's a really talented coach. Uh, I think we see that uh, with how he's t- completely made ULL into a uh, – you know, legitimate top 25 program pretty much like when he got there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think this guy is a really good coach and Florida will be much better with him, especially Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I do agree. This is the hire that I was begging Florida to make. And if it is 100% true that he is the next head coach, I am ecstatic that this is a hire. I think it'll make Florida an overall better program. I think it'll make us a much better recruiter too. But um, on to uh, Blake's favorite team, LSU. Uh, I'll let Blake go ahead. What are your thoughts on the coach situation and who is your dream hire and who do you think they will hire? Uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I've completely detached myself from LSU football this season. So <laughs> I, I could not tell you who my dream hire nor who I uh, think will hire is. Uh, after after we uh, look so bad, after everyone just said we're not going to play this season, after Max Johnson was like worse than TJ Finley, um, you know, it really like just made me forget about LSU football. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, Andrew, who do you think LSU will hire, and who do you think they should hire? It's so hard uh, because there's just uh, you don't know who's going to be available. People love to throw Lane Kiffin's name around at the top of betting <laughs> odds always, and he's 
if he leaves Ole Miss, it's not going to be for LSU. I, he's not going to leave Ole Miss. I don't know why that's a thing. Mel Tucker, people are talking about, again, not going to leave Michigan State. James Franklin, everyone wanted to leave, but he just signed a 10-year extension. Uh, I'm going to go with Dave Aranda. It's just the easiest one. He has LSU connections. What he's done at Baylor's been great. Uh, they are a two-loss team this year. But, I mean, if you had the choice between – or if you had the choice of coaching at LSU or Baylor – I, LSU is definitely the more promising job, easier. Are we even pipelines. sure about that at this point? And this, it's weird. I know, but they have more money to offer him. Uh, and again, recruiting's easier in LSU. If you're good, people care more. And these connections are already. So I'm going to go with him. Right, right and, um, Dan, what are your thoughts on the LSU head coach situation? Uh, yeah, James Franklin was a name thrown around, and I'm happy that Penn State re-signed him because we they can continue to be our floor mat. But uh, I'm going to agree with uh, Andrew here that Dave Aranda is the move for LSU, if they can get him. I don't know if he'll leave Baylor, but, um, yeah, I I don't know anything about LSU's coaching situation, but I've heard some names like Lane Kiffin. I don't think that's going to happen. Jimbo Fisher's one that's been thrown out there. I don't think that's going to happen. I really do not see why he would – that's at best a lateral move and at worst a – awful move for Jimbo Fisher himself. Yeah, Texas A&M has a really good class going. I don't see why he leaves Texas A&M. So, Dave Aranda's like the logical next step for LSU. Obviously, LSU threw a massive bag at um, Lincoln Riley. I think it was like $12 million. Yeah, I thought it was five years, 96. Yeah, it was like $12 million a year, but then that'd be five years. There's something like that. I'm not that great at math. That's but not going to happen. I don't think Lincoln Riley leaves. I forgot yeah. about that rumor. Yeah, Lincoln Riley's not going anywhere. There was like moment. one airplane from Norman to Baton Rouge, and everybody was like pressing the panic <laughs> button. It's like, oh my god, it's happening. <laughs> you know, a, you know, a, a program's getting desperate when they start tracking the uh, the flights when every year. That's pretty funny. But um, the next team who is in really big need of a coach is USC. Um, obviously, everyone swore up and down they were going to get Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle just uh, tripled down on the fact that he is staying with Cincinnati. Um, so, what are y'all guys' thoughts on the USC head coaching situation? I'll I'll talk about it. Um, it's another weird one because this is another one James Franklin was linked to constantly. But, again, that contract kills it. I think an, a very interesting one is Matt Campbell. Uh, Iowa State's head coach because what he did in Iowa State to even have a serviceable serviceable football program is insane. They started off the year as number seven, which is unheard of. It just doesn't make sense. What he if he can do it in Iowa State, imagine what he can do in Southern California uh, with recruiting, just everything that they have there. The only issue is is he going to want to leave Iowa State because NFL teams have wanted him constantly. He's always a name that gets tossed around every offseason ever since Iowa State started getting built up. And that's the, just a big question. Can they pry him away? But I think USC is a much better job than Iowa State. Hot take there, I know. Um, but he just seems like the type of person that might want to leave. But that's who I think that they're get, they'll get, Matt Campbell. All right, Dan, what are your thoughts on the USC head coaching situation? You know, I think we could see a bidding war between uh, USC and LSU for Dave Aranda. Uh Another name I keep seeing thrown around is Matt Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt that, Campbell's also been tied to Washington here recently, so that could get interesting. Yeah, 
Uh, Kyle Whittingham, that's another name. That's that's not going to happen. Um, Luke Fickle and James Franklin were names that were thrown around, and they obviously aren't going anywhere. So I think it's down to Aranda and Matt Campbell. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Campbell's the the like the most obvious one. Mm-hmm. the The next logical step for him would be to go. He's built up Iowa State. He's obviously proven to be a competent coach. So you go to either you just go to a big story program like USC. Do it again. Uh, rebuild their program. So Much I, easier than Iowa State rebuild too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are in a a gold mine of talent, so and if... you're super iconic. You have all the money in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just I I really from Matt Campbell's perspective, I don't understand why he stays in Iowa State. Like you're limiting yourself by being in Ames, Iowa, <laughs> with a historically terrible football program. I get you've made them good, but. Your uh, your your bell cow here, Brees Hall is going this year. Why leave with him? Like you're you're never gonna get anywhere in Iowa State. But I'm finally the last two. These aren't teams. These are just two big names to throw around. Dan Mullen and Ed Orgeron, obviously the head coaches at Florida and LSU respectively, have both been fired. Um, let's start with Mullen. Um, where do you think he should go, Blake? Uh, cry, cry himself to sleep. One. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, two, I think Mullen needs to, um, rebuild his name at a smaller school. I, I, I think really? that he, I think trying to, uh, take a, like a coordinator job at a bigger school, I don't think that'll do him much favors because uh, I think people have this bad stint in his mind of being a head coach. If he wants to be a head coach, he needs to go to a smaller school that is kind of struggling, but also kind of on the come up where he can take credit if they do end up coming up and play his way back into actually a better head coaching jobs. I'm not sure what school that would be, but that would probably be what he needs to do. Mm. Uh, And um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Mullen, what he should do? I'm going to do the very – as soon as he got fired, we were talking about it. Um, (laughs) Offensive coordinator at Bama. Yeah, I'm going to go the very generic – route I think he's gonna go under Saban I think Bill O'Brien probably ends up leaving whether he gets fired or gets a job somewhere else I don't know um but I just don't think he'll stick in Alabama it seems like every failed head coach ever uh ends up going under uh Nick Saban and becomes a head coach somewhere else so why can't it work Dan Mullen Dan Mullen made Kyle Trask look like arguably the Heisman favorite last year at some point a great offensive mind this year in Florida was obviously a failed experiment. Not failed experiment, just a failure as a whole. It was bad. Um, but I think he's going to end up in Alabama no matter what the job is. He'll figure it out. He's still a great football mind. I don't know why Saban wouldn't want him on the staff, and that'll be a gateway to somewhere else after. All right, and finally, Dan, what are your thoughts on Dan Mullen, what he should do? Uh, Yeah, get a coordinator position somewhere at a big, like, Bama uh, – Clemson even? Yeah, I, that could be interesting. Because uh, there's not a lot of head coaching positions that make sense. I mean, has TCU settled on – who's the SMU's coach again? What's his name? Uh, Sony Dykes. Yeah, have they settled on him? Or pretty is... much. That's pretty much a done deal. Okay, so that's that's the one school that I thought, okay, that could be interesting. What could you do with, like, Zach Evans um, and that TCU offense? But yeah, his – 
the only thing I think he could do at this point is unless he wants to go to a small school, like Blake said, and build his reputation back up is go to a coordinator position at another big school and do it that way. Uh, another thing that I think is pretty interesting is the Virginia Tech head coaching job. Yeah. Um, Dan Mullen's been tied to that one a little bit. I think that's actually a really good spot. And honestly, I don't even think that's a reputation builder. I think Dan Mullen could end up being the uh, permanent head coach there at Virginia Tech. I think he'd be a lot more successful in the ACC than he was, obviously, at Florida. But then finally, on um, the last topic of the episode, it's been a little bit of a long one, but um, Ed Orgeron, I think that's the most interesting name of the whole uh, head coaching carousel here. We'll start with Blake. Um, I'm sure he has a little bit to say about it. <laughs> yeah, he's a terrible coach. Um, he should, he should uh, honestly, he should not coach again. I, I'm, I'm being completely honest. I, I really think that it would be best for his future reputation for him not to coach again. He can be remembered in history as the coach who led one of the greatest teams ever. Uh, albeit, you know, how much it was his role. No one really ends up remembering that when you remember these great teams. He can, you know, be known as that guy. The two years after were weird COVID years. His starting quarterback got hurt this year. I genuinely think if he wants to save his reputation as a person and as a coach, he needs to not coach again. There's also the fact that he's tied to a lot of the hiding sexual assault stuff at LSU, which I think will end up coming back and biting him in the, you know, in the butt. Um, it, it's, it's a very complex situation for Orgeron, but I do think his best path for one, being a terrible coach and for two, hiding sexual assault on LSU. Again. Honestly, that's not even a terrible option, but, um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Nate Orgeron? Uh, I really don't know. I, I mean, I guess small schools could go for him. I don't know why he coached there. I think he should just retire, like Blake said. I mean, he won a national championship. He is clearly not a good head coach. I'm sure he'll get offers from somewhere, but I just, I don't, I really could not tell you where I think he should end up. And I don't know how legitimate it is, but one thing I have seen is the defensive coordinator at Florida. Which um, yeah. uh, <laughs> y'all y'all would give up sixty points a game. Like, I'm good. I'm honestly good. We don't need a Cajun cheerleader on the sideline. <laughs> uh, uh, finally, Dan, what are your thoughts on Ed Uh You know, going back to USC wouldn't be a bad thing for uh, him. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> for USC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can't get much worse for USC, honestly. Um, if you can't find like your, your dream guy, then, I mean, Ed has experience down in USC. He's coached there twice. Uh, so, you know, it's, I'm just throwing things out here that people haven't said yet. I'm going to go with Blake. I don't think he should coach coach again. He's not a very good coach. He was carried very hard by his coaching staff and the, obscene amount of talent he had on that 2019 team so you know you had a good career man you won a national championship just hang up the uh, clipboard and give it up yeah i'm gonna have to agree I, there's no there's nowhere left but down for it was run you're not winning another national championship you've already got your ring just go ahead and pack it up and uh Go find more um, absurdly young women to harass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that'll, I think that's about everything we have to talk about. I uh, hope you guys have a good Thanksgiving. 
uh, to all everyone in here and to all of our listeners. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving.